Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. All right. How's everyone today? Good, good, good. All right. Okay, so we're going to put a picture up on the screen. Who Maybe should, who is this? Meryl Streep. So for some of the younger people in the room, Meryl Streep is a famous gifted actress. And so I want to share a little bit about her. Meryl Streep has played many roles in her 40 plus years of film career, winning Best Supporting Actress in 1980 in Kramer vs. Kramer, and then later winning two Best Actress Oscars in 1983 for Sophie's Choice and then in 2012 for The Iron Lady. Now, I started out searching for someone who held both of those, uh, those uh, Oscars, who had won uh, both the Best Supporting and the Best Lead. So that just gives you a little hint on someone we're going to be talking about today. But I found some additional information I wanted to share that I thought was interesting. So since making her film debut at age 28 in Julia, Streep, in addition to her three Oscar wins, was nominated uh, 21 times in acting awards. And that's more than any other nominations for any other actor in history of the Academy Awards. And Streep gives credit to Jane Fonda as her mentor, Please, I'm not judging. I'm just reporting on this. I'm not, it's not about who you choose. But what I found interesting in that is that you don't often hear people in, uh, you know, in famous, you know, positions talk about their mentors. And so that kind of, I thought, was an interesting find as I was looking and searching for something else. So I want to talk about mentorship, whether a formal relationship or one that occurs more naturally It should move us toward something. It should cultivate growth in us. And in the church context, we refer to this type of relationship as discipleship. So having influence with the goal of moving someone toward Christ. So the word disciple means follower. So a disciple of Jesus is a worshiper, a servant, a witness, It's not just being a student and learning, but also following and doing. So we are in the middle of our sermon series, Best Supporting Role, where we're focusing not on the main characters in the Bible, but more supporting characters. So a supporting character is defined as a character in a narrative that is not the focus of the primary storyline, but is important to the plot and appears or is mentioned in the story enough to be more than just a minor character or a cameo appearance. So, who is our character in the Bible for this week? So that is Joshua. Joshua is our best supporting role for this weekend. And we will be looking at his support to the lead role assumed by Moses. So we're going to read some stories today from them, and we're going to be witnessing what I see as organic discipleship happening and the training up of Joshua so that he was ready to lead when the Lord called him. 
Now the experience Joshua gains first as a servant is what prepares him for his later call as a leader. And my hope is that as we identify attributes in Joshua, it inspires us each to take a step toward Jesus, who is really the true main character in our story, right? So why don't we pray and then we'll jump right in. So Holy Spirit, we, we know you're here, but we are just gonna welcome your presence. We want you to be the spotlight today, the spotlight in our hearts. Would you just bring clarity of mind for me? Would you soften hearts in the room? Wipe away and clear any, um, anything that's troubling us today and just make us present and available to you, Lord. I offer to you all that I have and I leave the rest to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right. Okay, so though there is an entire book in the Bible committed to Joshua, we are going to back up and focus on the stories leading up to that and the years of preparation for his leadership role. And through this, we will see God's making of a great leader because of Joshua's faithfulness first as a humble follower. So for context, I'm gonna rewind a little bit and just review what leads us up to when we first see the introduction of Joshua in the scriptures. So we remember that God chose Abraham to be the father of a great nation, and then his family became the people of Israel who are enslaved down in Egypt. Now through Moses, God rescued Israel out of Egypt during the Exodus made a covenant with them at Mount Sinai, and then Moses leads them into the wilderness. Now the Israelites, they remain in the wilderness. They're camped right outside the promised land for 40 years due to reoccurring sin problems of the people. And then Moses dies at the age of 120, never having been permitted to enter Canaan. And that was due to his sin issue. And then we move into the book of Joshua as the Israelites are ready to enter the promised land now led by Joshua. Now we won't spend time in the book of Joshua today because unlike every other person in, I think every other person in this sermon series of best supporting role, Joshua is really the only one who could have been nominated for both best supporting and best lead role. See, he moves from a supportive role to Moses, which actually encompasses over half of his life probably. So that's 60 plus years he was in that role as an assistant. And then during the remaining years, he moves in to be a great leader and he leads the Israelites into the promised land and he dies at the age of 110. So what do we know about Joshua? Who is he? You may read about him in the books of Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and you'll learn bits about Joshua's life and preparation before becoming the leader of the Israelites, which you read later in the book of Joshua. So we know that he was Moses's assistant and then his successor. And we read he was son of Nun from the tribe of Ephraim. So he and his families were slaves. So Joshua was quite an ordinary man who served a great God. And he is one 
of two people who experienced both slavery in Egypt as well as taking up residence in the promised land. In fact, he was appointed by God to lead the Israelites into the promised land after Moses' death. He was a brilliant military strategist. And later in life, he becomes the new leader of the Israelites. He leads them across the Jordan River and through many battles. But what you see is a continued dependence on God. He was not perfect by any means, none of us are, but as one possessing great military leadership skills, Joshua understood it was God fighting the battles. And so he knew the credit was due to God. And then finally, his greatest strength in my opinion was his faithfulness to seek God's presence, his will and his instruction, and then to be obedient to God. So how, how did Joshua support Moses? Let's take a look at that. I wanna look at four qualities I believe Joshua exhibits during this time as an assistant to Moses. The first one is Joshua is faithful. We'll read in Numbers 13 that Joshua was identified as one of 12 spies sent by Moses to explore and report on Canaan. And it says only Joshua and Caleb gave an encouraging report upon their return. So these 12 spies were, were um, sent to explore the land and they were to explore the inhabitants of the land, the soil, the crops, the cities, and then to come and report back what they found. So it was Joshua, he was one of those leaders. And though we'll see in the scripture, he's actually identified as Hosea. And his name of origin was Hosea, which means salvation. But later in this chapter, Moses renames him and he becomes Joshua, which means the Lord is salvation. Now, this is a very subtle change, but a profound one. See, his new name was one that would encourage the faith of a soldier and remind him that the Lord was fighting for him. And we should also note that Jesus's name in Hebrew was Heshua, which translates in English to Joshua. I don't think that's a coincidence, but his new name is pointing to the coming Messiah. So let's continue on. When the, the spies returns, this is what we read from 10 of the 12 men who had been sent out. They gave Moses this account. He went into the land. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. Now, if you look at these two verses, they're divided by the word, but. And that was the issue. They basically reported, the land flows with milk and honey, but we don't trust God to do what he says he will do. That right there is the root of the Israelite sin cycle disobedience, lack of trust. They were sent, their role was to come back and report. They were not to be involved with any decision-making. So re reading further, we see the remaining two spies are Joshua and Caleb, and here is their response. 
in Numbers 13, and we're gonna jump into 14 on this one. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, land, for we certainly can do it. At this point, there's an uprising. The Israelites are very, they're losing faith in their leaders. They're losing faith in God. And now they're threatening to stone Moses and Aaron. So we continue on. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. So the tearing of one's clothing symbolized great grief and sorrow over what was being done, what they were witnessing. If the Israelites failed to trust God now, Joshua and Caleb knew the consequences would be severe. We read in Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Faithful people have confidence in who? God, not ourselves. They are passionate about and committed to God's vision and his plans and his promises. And because of this, you can count on faithful people. Joshua had a strong faith and believed deeply in what God had called him to do. Faithfulness is a quality of a good follower. So as the story continues, we read a blessing is extended to Joshua and Caleb for their faithfulness. And they are the only two of likely about 1 million Israelite men, the only two who will be taken into the promised land because what? God values their faithfulness over rebellion. So the second quality is Joshua is available. Joshua accompanied Moses when he ascended Mount Sinai to commune with God, to visualize God's plan for the Israelite tabernacle and to receive the 10 commandments. Joshua was also with Moses when he descended from the mountain heard the Israelites' celebrations around the golden calf and broke the tablets, tablets bearing the words of the Ten Commandments. <clears throat> it's kind of mind-blowing to me that Moses invited his assistant along with him. We know Moses had a very special relationship with, with God, but he would invite him to accompany him. And I absolutely love that. I think there's something very powerful in that. There is something very important about just being available. There is a great value in being present to listen, to assist, and gain experience, especially with a person who has influence in your life, who models great leadership qualities. So I want to share a personal story. Um, 
So I'm originally from here, had moved to California, was out there for about 12 years where I met my husband, Derek, and our daughters, Emma and Maya, were born there. And then um, in 2008, we felt like the Lord had called us back to Ohio, or at least me back to Ohio. So um, we immediately became a part of this church family at that point. And then in 2012, I came on staff at VCDC. And at some point during that time, I can't remember exactly when, I began supporting Penny Meyer. And so Penny Meyer, if you don't know her, she's one of the um, founding pastors of this church when it was planted with her husband, Danny Meyer. Um, Penny was over women's ministry, small group uh, ministry, a bunch of other things. And she was an incredible preaching pastor. Um, most people see her for that. And so the thing about Penny was um, when you were around her, you kind of wanted to be like Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, and you just wanted to take in anything given. She often invited me into meetings to just observe and listen. And then over time, she would, uh, she gave me some more responsibility. And the one thing about her is she would constantly um, explain why she made a decision to do something or did not make a decision to do that. Like she was always teaching and always explaining. She was great at envisioning and training those in her presence. And even, and she's probably watching now that I think about it right now. So hi, Penny, I love you. Um, but she was, she was just incredible. And it was something that I know she was very intentional about it at times, but at other times it just was something she had created in her life and it's who she was and she just did it. So she was just exceptional to be around. And um, unfortunately, Penny was in a horrific car accident and <clears throat> she had a long recovery time. So she was out for some time. And while she was out, what I thought was going to be temporarily, I was asked to step in to cover some of her responsibilities of what I could. And so the one thing I remember about that, because I definitely did not feel, I didn't feel called or prepared to do that. But if Penny had not been discipling me right from the start, inviting me in, I would not have been prepared for the task at hand. And not that I did everything, I did what I could. But later that same year, uh, she received her cancer diagnosis and eventually decided to move into retirement. And at that point, I was asked to assume a pastoral position on staff. I am so thankful, <laughs> didn't see that one coming, but I am so thankful for all the years. First of all, I was just available. I was just there. And however she needed support, I supported her. You know, we often want to jump forward a little fast. We wanna go for the flashy things, the shiny things, like, oh, that would be great to do that, right? And we can minimize the importance of just simply being available. The preparation is so, so very important. I am also so thankful that Penny invited me in to observe, to support, to assist. And especially because she was an incredible, is an incredible person, incredible pastor and mentor. And still today, I often recognize the things that she instilled in me during that time. And I know that her training has shaped my leadership in so many ways. I will never be Penny. And I'm okay with that because I was called to be Vicky. And we are gifted very differently. 
But even in that, I gained so much from being with her. So just remember, you know, never know how God might use you when you just make yourself available. The third quality I see is Joshua is a servant. Joshua was a major figure in the events of the Exodus. And the very first account we read of him in the scriptures is in Exodus 17. We'll pick up in verse eight. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. <clears throat> Joshua was charged by Moses with selecting and commanding an army for their first battle exiting Egypt. This was against the Amalekites, as we just read, and we see that he experiences victory. Now, in this story, what I see is Joshua is a servant. We read nothing previously about him serving as a military leader, nor about the existence of an established army. But as a good servant, he obeys Moses' instruction without hesitation and opposition. There is a need that he is asked to address, and he does just that. You know, here in the vineyard, you will often hear us say, everyone gets to play, right? Everyone gets to play. Well, we mean that. We really mean that. We want everyone to play as God has called them to play. And so we have to remember, we all have to start somewhere. So I wanna share, while we were still in California, um, I was a new believer. I didn't become a believer until after our girls were born. And so we had a community church that we were active in. And I first started serving in kidsmen at our church in California. And so we had a two-year-old two classroom that had incredible teaching team. It was a husband and wife. They were absolutely awesome. Our daughters were in that class they were teaching them things I did not have the ability to teach them because I was such a young Christian. I didn't even know half the things they were talking to them about. So I'm kind of learning at the same time. But as they got older, I had been praying. The three-year-old classroom did not have a regular teaching team. And to be honest, that was a burden on my heart because selfishly, our girls were now moving into the three-year-old classroom. And so I was praying about that. And um, as I was praying, the Lord asked me, well, why not you? And so quickly, I had about a million reasons. <laughs> why not me? I was only two to three years maybe in my walk with the Lord. I still didn't even know the popular Bible stories, the popular characters, let alone anything that, you know, else. So my husband was gone traveling all the time every week uh, back then. And at that time, sometimes he could be gone really long periods of time because he was traveling internationally. 
We had twin girls. I didn't have a lot of family support at that time. And I was also, I had had a career and I had been working. And then when I got pregnant, I decided to stay home with the girls. So I'm in a complete identity crisis at this point going, who am I? What is my purpose? You know, what is my value? So I'm going, I have all these reasons. I'm not, I'm not the right one for this. But I just prayed and finally I just said yes. And um, they gave me that great book that they give you when you go into Kids Men and it laid everything out. I didn't really have to do anything but read and try to learn myself. But that book and that experience, I was able to learn some of the Bible stories, which was really awesome, as well as get to work with an awesome group of kids. So ironically, Though I have never really personally felt that I have a gift with young children, I joyfully served in that classroom for two years. And we had to do every week, (laughs) two years um, until the Lord, I felt he called me out. And you know what? It was by the grace of God that I could do it. And what I found was that He moved me out because that's right when he called us back to Ohio. So I just like, sometimes you never know what's going on. And then when you look back, you go, oh, okay, that totally makes sense. But during that time, what I believe God unleashed or set into motion in me was my love and compassion for people and a strong desire to see them grow. I do wanna see the littles grow. I just didn't feel like that was my gift. So that is like, for me, that was the desire for all things to move closer to being as God created them to be. Mother Teresa wisely said, be faithful in small things because it is in them that your strength lies. You know, being faithful in the little things allows us to be entrusted with greater things because it builds our confidence in God, not us. And it's the small things which are equally significant is where we grow in our humility, our willingness and our consistency to both serve and lead well. It allows us to discover also more about our passions, our skills and our purpose. We sometimes are given the opportunity to serve in ways we feel called And then sometimes we're given the opportunity to serve in ways where there is a need to be filled. Either way, our reliance on God enables us to serve with great commitment and joy, and he blesses us tremendously in that. Now, I want you to know, before I realized we were recruiting for kids' men, God put that story on my heart. So I don't think it's a coincidence, but I'm just saying... You might want to think about it. All right, so the fourth quality is Joshua is teachable. Numbers 11, 26 through 29 reads, However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders but did not go out to the tent. Yet the spirit also rested on them and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been, with, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? 
I wish all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. This was a teachable moment for Joshua, right? Sometimes we start to look to the side and we start to compare ourselves to others when we're just supposed to keep our eyes on Jesus, right? There's no reason for jealousy. We're to embrace each other. In fact, Moses welcomes others moving by the Spirit, and Joshua seems to receive that correction well. So I believe he was teachable. Sometimes being teachable, this quality of being teachable, is observed more in what we do not witness or is what what is not stated, right? Rather than what is stated. So when asked to help, assist, or attend and be present, We don't witness disobedience, objection, opposition, or any pushback from Joshua, right? He just did it. Like Joshua, when we say yes to each request, each task, each mission, we gain what? Experience, knowledge, wisdom, and we grow. So we need our hearts to remain soft to the Lord and what he is instructing and forming in us. So through these stories and accounts about Joshua, we do identify these qualities of being faithful to God, available to God, a servant of God, and teachable by God. Now, if you look at that, we're going to keep that up there a second. You see that there are, there's an acronym that we refer to as FAST. So some of you I know are familiar with this because we we talk about this with our our leadership training, but the FAST acronym is a tool used in Vineyard Leadership Training to help in identifying individuals for potential leadership. So those are some of the qualities that, that we look for. They are all great qualities to exhibit for Joshua and for us as well, but there is one more thing that must exist if we desire for these attributes to be formed in us if we want God to work through us. So I want to read one more time from Exodus 33. Now, Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. It's basically a temporary tabernacle until the tabernacle was built. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, All the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped, each at the entrance of their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp But his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So Moses was given great privilege to be in God's presence. But I want to focus what it says at the very end of this um, passage. Joshua did not leave the tent. Now, there is no agreed upon interpretation of that. Like if you read commentators, they're kind of all over the place of what that actually meant. So that led me to some questions that I started to kind of process, and I'm just gonna 
kind of share them with you and how I process them. You process them how you feel led. But the first question, why did Joshua go to the tent in the first place? Maybe he stood guard at the tent. He was Moses's assistant, right? That would make sense. Did Joshua actually enter or stand outside the tent? Not real clear on that. Could go either way. Was he able to hear the conversations between God and Moses? Well, if we have any campers here, or if you've ever been around a tent, whether you're inside or outside the tent, it is a tent, right? It's not a hard wall. So I don't know what kind of fabric they used back then, but I would think he could have heard something. Why did he not leave the tent? Was he guarding it? Maybe so others wouldn't enter it after Moses left? My thought is probably not because it says the Israelites would stand and worship at the entrance to their own tent. And I think they were also fearful of entering into the presence of God. I would fear dying as well. So I guess what I take from this is that whether Joshua was inside or outside the tent, whether he was standing guard or seeking the presence of God, whatever his intentions and reasons, whether personal or out of duty, he was close to the presence of God. And I believe that had an effect on him. I believe it was the source of his loyal devotion and obedience to God. We are all, we're always changed when we are in the presence of God. I wanna invite the uh, worship team to come on up. I'm gonna share uh, one more thing. And this is, I didn't wanna leave Danny out. So Danny Meyer, Danny's, uh, Danny and Penny are married. They were the founding pastors of this church. And Danny developed something uh, called the gospel of wholeness. And the gospel of wholeness is a teaching that helps us to overcome the effects and patterns of sin in our lives. So none of us are perfect, right? We all have things that we, we have to work through and we all have sin in our lives. So one of the things that he teaches, which I think is very relevant here, he teaches this intimacy with God leads to dependency on God, which leads to obedience to God. So we first prioritize our time with God. So that is our personal time with God, our personal private relationship with God, and we invest in that. And as we do that and build intimacy with God, it enables us to depend on him and trust God as we live out our lives. The idea that we are no longer leaning on self, but on him. And as we grow in that dependence, it leads us to our ability to say yes to God as he directs our path. And that's the obedience. See, I see this witnessed in the life of Joshua as he was a faithful follower of God who was invited in to experience and know God. He learned to depend on God and trust in his promises so that time and time again, he could say yes to God. I wanna close with this quote from Oswald Chambers. It says, never take your obedience as the reason God blesses you. 
Obedience is the outcome of being rightly related to God. I'm gonna read that one more time. Never take your obedience as the reason God blesses you. Obedience is the outcome of being rightly related to God. To be a great leader, we must first be a good follower. And as a good follower, I see the star quality that was modeled in Joshua is a simple and pure devotion to Christ. And we too should pursue that same quality, a simple and pure devotion to Christ. All right, I'm gonna invite you to stand up. We're going to... Take some time to worship. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.